Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. A big welcome to Season 6, where we continue to explore coaching, learning and development. As usual, my guests are going to present their key learnings for a piece of content of their choosing, and we then discuss its application. I'll now hand over to them to introduce themselves. G'day, how you going? Uh, I'm Johnny McMurtry. Um, I am based in Australia. Um, for the past few years, I have been doing uh, research in conjunction with Rugby Australia, uh, University of Queensland, um, looking at the motivations or what motivates um, elite age grade rugby players. Uh, very fortunate to do the research in conjunction with the Super Rugby franchises um, all across Australia. Um, and again, it was just to try and research why these fellas are involved in their sport. For a bit of coach education, uh, just for the programs and the conveners and, and coaches involved, just to, to better understand uh, the motivations and try and keep these fellas involved in their sport for a bit longer. So uh, fortunate enough to help a few coaches around Brisbane, around Australia at the moment. Um, so yeah, look, just looking forward to the chat and sharing a few ideas. Hi, my name is Peter Hughes. I'm an athletic development coach with Ulster Rugby currently. I've uh, been there for a few months now. Previously, I was working in the Middle East in rugby and with some multi-sport. Background originally is in physiotherapy, but I've sort of delved down the athletic development and SNC route over the past six or so years. Um, my day-to-day workings is always trying to help athletes be better and trying to understand what what makes them better. So that's how we've we've met up with Johnny. Gents, absolutely fantastic. Real pleasure to have you both on. Thank you for uh, for giving up your time. Um, just before we get into it, um, just a reminder to anyone listening that the uh, the research and anything that's mentioned today will be available in the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly. So please do check that out. So, um, Johnny, you're going to tee us up and, and just talk, I guess, in a little bit more detail about the research and how you kind of got to where you are. And then I guess we'll unpick it with how you've gone about, uh, you know, implementing that and the impact it's had. So uh, fire away. Yeah, cool. Look, um, as always, there's a story at the start of the research. So um, I'm a father of three. My oldest son actually dropped out of rugby twice, which broke my soul twice. Um, Yeah, so he dropped out of rugby roughly when he was about 14, 15 years of age. And the easiest way to describe it was just a bit of overzealous coaching or or a misalignment between the coaches, what, what essentially what they were pitching and what the fellas were buying. Um, so that allowed me, I sort of asked a few questions and asked, you know, I mean, a few of his friends and a few fellows around him. Um, at the same time, I was fortunate enough to be part of uh, coaching what's called the Junior Gold Program, which is the age grade program or the pathway to gold, as they call it within um, Rugby Australia's uh, pathway um, setup. Um, so again, I was able to ask some coaches around there and some of the high performance coaches and, and, and conveners involved in these programs of you know, I just felt there was something missing. Um, again, even within the, the coaching programs that we all get, we, and I'm sure it's the same in, in England and Ireland at the moment, you get this 
thick, heavy folder. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's all about the tech tech stuff and whatever. And there was this really missing piece for there was only a, a handful of pages or a couple of pages in regards to the motivations of these young fellas athletes. So, or the, the young athletes motivation. So, so yeah, I, I wanted to start to ask some questions and it was lucky enough. Um, I just finished my grad dip in sports coaching, looking for the, the next phase or the next stage of, of my personal development. And, um, Cliff Mallett and Stephen Wren, uh, both from University of Queensland, they encouraged me to, you know, I mean, start this research journey. Um, and again, was, you know, I mean, thoroughly supported and, and backed by Rugby Australia. They were obviously interested in what we were trying to do. Initially, it was meant to be with one of the, it was meant to be with the Queensland Reds franchise, but they seen enough value and merit where it was it was stretched out to all five uh, super franchises. So, which was great in the, in the sense that, you know, I mean, we got a really good, um, Sort of theme or you know for all the players involved in the program but again it was it was obviously a lot of legwork a lot of uh, a lot more administration and trying to tee up um but one of the i guess one of the advantages of this it was it was done remotely it was done this was just actually the data was gathered just slightly before covid um so again it was it was quite uh, useful and again is quite is going to hopefully continue to be quite useful for gathering these ideas of um, athletes motivations on, from a remote basis um, but yeah it, it was just interesting to try and get the perspective of what what we wanted to do in regards to the research was try and understand the motivations or or the personal strivings um, of what these fellows are typically trying to achieve on a regular or daily basis both in sport and away from sport again we just wanted to i wanted to almost offer a cheat sheet to the coaches out there and uh, to try and better understand their athletes um try to understand what what, what motivates them to to give up their time and, and you know the, the volume of effort particularly at the the high performance stage of sport uh, you know what what they could do, be choosing to do elsewhere or, or what motivates them on the feet off the field to make sure that they can come to training or, or the performance environment energized and ready to go so so that was you know and that was as i say it, it's taken a few years it's luckily it's been submitted now I, again like all research projects it's probably given more questions than answers and i guess that's the beauty of you know chatting to peter and, and chatting to ulster rugby they're obviously interested in sort of developing these ideas as well but yeah it's just to try and offer a better picture for what motivates these athletes and you know how can we keep them involved in the sport for for longer essentially so so yeah fantastic i i love the fact it went out to all super five all five super rugby franchises you must have been like yes oh no how much more no. data am i gonna do with now <laughs> like that's a real double-edged sword isn't it but um great opportunity yeah, yeah. well it it was initially, as I said, it was going to be about 15 to 20 players. And then it increased in one meeting, increased to 160 players, you know, just in one field sweep. But, um, but again, look, it, it was very useful. It was actually good to get some trends from, from the different franchises, even how they, they finished in the table offered certain, uh, certain nuance in the answers as well. Um, but again, the, the overarching themes and, and the data that came from was, was fairly similar and, and fairly consistent right through. So I love that. Um, Peter, if we jump across to you, maybe you could give us or the listeners a, a bit of a rundown just on how the Ulster Rugby Programme works and the, the kind of the Provincial Academy and, and why then this started to appeal to you and, and how it kind of, I guess, fits fits with your system. And then we can maybe talk a bit, a little bit about actually what the what the research has said and what you guys have done with it. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um so things within Ulster, um, since I've been in since last August, um, there's been a bit of a change in terms of how um, 
much we expand and reach out to players across the region. So there's more regional coaches at uh, different points across the, the province. So as a result of that, there's a lot of a lot more players under our care and therefore trying to create the perfect or trying to create the perfect environment is something that we're sort of tasking ourselves with. Um, whether that be from a physical, technical, tactical or cognitive aspects of thinking of the four coactives, something that's <clears throat> always resonated with me from originally studying physiotherapy was the the importance on the biopsychosocial model and I've always been sort of grounded on the impact of those three three elements and how they impact behavior and so it's something that I've always carried at the forefront of my mind is how they interact and then the the four coactives within the sort of performance realm thinking of how can we carry over those or intertwine those aspects together to sort of shape a better learning environment for the athlete so um if, if my curiosity originally came from sort of chronic pain so how the impact of someone's thought process can impact behavior um, and result in an in action and so as a result of that i've always sort of delved into the, the psychological aspect or the mental skills or cognitive aspect and then going down the performance route we're thinking about fitness so what allows individuals to be fit to perform in their sport so generally we'll kind of as athletic development coaches will bucket ourselves in the, the physical and we'll chase after numbers, but the impact of day-to-day -day interactions on one RMs, um, we know they can vary from anything from 18 to 20% day-to-day. And what what is the difference from the athlete day-to-day -to -day other than fatigue? So the impact of mood and um, impact and behavior. So haven't seen some of Johnny's work. I think it was actually directed to it by Dan Path. So um, delved into some of the stuff Johnny was doing with the Wallabies. And it, it was really interesting in terms of how succinct he made something that is so complex. And um, so trying to bucket, um, bucket some of those motivation or personal strivings of athletes. Um, and then uh, just through discussions across uh, from the, the senior staff to the academy staff to the sub-academy staff, starting to delve a bit deeper into how we can create a better environment as a byproduct of, of some of the stuff we already know and stuff that we want to find out. So we've been fortunate enough that we're one of the first, um, I think, sporting organizations in, in the island of Ireland to have a full-time sports psychologist. So Darren Devaney has, has started with this, which kind of gives an indication of the importance that Ulster is holding off the psychological aspect of sport um, and some of the work he's been doing within within the group, not just with the athletes, but also with the, the coaches as well, um, has been has been brilliant. Um, but overall, yeah, so we have our regional sites. We have our sub-academy, which is our national talent squad and our provincial talent squad. And then above that, we have our academy and senior squads. So the academy and senior squad will train at the Kingspan and the sub-academy will train at New Forge and some of them will kind of bounce over and back. Well, hopefully as things with COVID sort of started damping down a bit, but um, yeah, there's a lot of change at the moment. So we have our S&C coaches, regional part-time coaches, and then we have our full-time coaches, um, myself and Josh McElroy looking after the sub-academy and then Matthew Godfrey is the sort of academy lead. And then we have our other senior staff. So Mikey Kelly, Matt, uh, Matty McGuire and Tom Klopp's directed and Shane um, as well. So 
great great bunch of lads who are all very curious and, and want to create an environment that's more rounded for the athlete rather than just dev, delving down sort of specific rabbit holes around the, the physical aspect. So that's sort of what's going on in, in uh, the realm of Ulster rugby at the moment. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I think that's a, a really good insight just to get a, a better understanding of, of why this stuff is so important. And I, I, I guess we'll come back to, I think, circle back round to the, the kind of the four coactives and the biopsychosocial model. But um, Johnny, do you want to just, I guess, maybe give an overview of, of exactly what the research found and and then we can kind of put the two together as to how, how it's actually started impacting things at, at Ulster Rugby and in other places? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, yeah, like I said, the, the, it was interesting to get, you know, I mean, from the five Super Rugby franchises and even, you know, I mean, across the ages, there was an age, you know, I mean, the, the players were aged between 70 to 20 years of age. Um, but again, the findings were fairly consistent, which was, yeah, interesting. But, you know, in, in reflection to other research out there, it, it, it was good to see that it was fairly consistent with, you know, I mean, other research that's been conducted in other sports as well. Look, the, I guess the important note, of, you know, I mean, especially around strivings is, it, you know, they're, they're, it's more broader or it's more stable than specific goals to say that. So again, we're trying to investigate what they're typically trying to achieve, what they're motivated to try and do, as opposed to solely the outcomes. Again, so then we can offer this supportive network or a bit of scaffolding work as coaches, as programs to actually help them attain or, or, or you know, I mean, push forward. Again, it's not solely on measured on particular outcomes, which might not even be important to them. It's, it's again, it's trying to find out what's inherently important for these fellas, both within sport and away from sport, and how can we support them to become better players and better people ultimately? So, so look uh, from the the information from that we found was that players actually step into the sport, and again they they're looking for they've got this high sense of achievement. But I guess the big thing was that we found, uh, and there was very little language in the data that I found um, of winning flags or winning premierships or even winning competitions. Again, they were all chasing goals that were inherently important to them. All right. It was the idea of being fitter, being stronger. Again, it, it was, you know, there were still some generic terms within it, but again, it was, there was this nuance and the, the, this understanding that again, it was, there was these specific goals or the, there was a reason they stepped over the paint um, and we as coaches should help them. So, you know, I mean, try and attain it. Um, yeah. And again, away from the field that it was interesting to see, it, it was tough to stomach at the time, and Pete, you know, Peter and I have talked about this before because all the all the talk initially from the data of fun and enjoyment was actually found away from the field. There was very little talk of this um, actually within the rugby specific answers of the data gathered from the sport. But in hindsight, looking at it, look, there's there's other research done out there by the likes of Amanda Vizek over in the states. She's done a lot of research with um, soccer players um, age nine to nineteen. And again, it, it, my data sort of correlated or the data that we found from my research correlated very nicely with some of the stuff that she's found where it was um, a lot of the language and a lot of the focus is this idea of improvement, high challenge, um, even just positive coaching as well. Uh, coaches being supportive of them chasing their goals. So, so again, it was fairly consistent, the other research or sports specific research out there that we could find. So, so yeah, again, it's just, you know, I mean, I guess it was good to offer coaches this understanding look that, Yes, obviously, you know, I mean, us as coaches and, and even players to some degree, winning winning is enjoyable. Um, the, but again, it's, it's this understanding. It almost progress is what they're looking for. They're looking to, it's this idea of progression. It's this idea of development. It's this idea of understanding what's important to this athlete that's standing in front of you. 
um, and again, helping them become the better player that they want to be as a result. So, so yeah, it, it was, you know, I mean, again, it was good to, it was good to gather this data. It was good to understand, you know, it was a good snapshot of these players who, and, and you know, it, it must be added. A lot of these players who are involved in my research have, have actually gone on to attain super rugby contracts as well. But again, this, it was still this focus for these players that when they were at this stage of their development, it was like, you know, they were trying to attain goals, which were, specifically important for them as opposed to uh, important for the program so so yeah peter is that is that one of the key things you guys would have taken away from that did like when you started having conversations with johnny be really interested what they kind of looked like but was one of the actions did you guys go away and and start to understand better the motivations of the players you had like what did that look like for for the kind of ulster academy groups and regional groups beforehand was it just you're in the program we're presuming or did you done some kind of data collection around that or do you now do it like what what's i guess like the initial impact this has had so suppose it's something that our coaches prided themselves in it was done very informally and um, just with discussions and a lot of the time with the, the rugby staff when they're doing uh, game reviews there'll be a lot of uh, interaction there around sort of uh, what what is your we have our may squeeze plan which is like what is your goals for this week and then the coaches will try to support that. So I think a lot of it's done fairly informally. Um, but it's the challenge we have is that there's a lot of moving parts, maybe not as many that Johnny was dealing with, but um, there's a lot of moving parts in that. Some guys will come into us for a period of time and then they'll go to back to the schools for the Schools Cup, which is their most important time. And it's us. We, we will still have interactions with the athletes. We'll go into their school environment and support them from an AD point of view. But it's can we assist with other aspects that we may not be discussing? So we're just going in there with our athletic development hat on and we're thinking, oh, we need to get them technically better, more efficient in terms of how they move. But is that what they want? Is it maybe better that we chatted for 30 minutes and discussed other aspects around their life? Could we add as much value there? Um, I think it was Liam Hennessy said something, I can't coach you if I don't know you. So it's something that always resonates with me. Um, is getting to know our athletes and what do they actually what do they actually want out of this period of time and knowing that those motivations can change instantaneously but over a period of time from when they're in school till they come back to us in a pre-season till off-season so how can we shape our environment to suit that individual it's a big challenge obviously because there is so many people involved but um, it's something that we're kind of keen to do um, and it's, it's obviously encouraging an environment of support and care, as well as high challenge. Um, so that's something that we want to get towards is enabling the players to better understand themselves. And it's something that I'm kind of curious around Johnny's work. Do you think, Johnny, that um, by the process of uh, the actual interviewing process, helped the athletes through specific goal setting, made them more aware of of uh, how they think and what are their actual goal processes? Because I know you alluded to there that some of the guys or a lot of the guys went on to achieve contracts. So was that about, well, I know you probably can't say it definitively, but do you think the process of the questioning helped them on this journey? Um, look, that, that's a great question. And again, sadly, it was probably one of the questions that wasn't answered again. You and I, I know you and I have talked about it as well. Some of, some of the limitations of my research, look, it, it, some of the beauty of it was also its limitations in the fact that it was done digitally, remotely. Um, we gathered, you know, I mean, a whole heap of data and a lot of answers and a really good um, oversight of the players involved. 
Um, but again, we probably lost some of those follow-up questions. So again, that detail that you were talking about, you know, I mean, uh, the, the coach then, I can't coach you if I don't know you, you know, it gave us a real good um, snapshot or overarching theme of, you know, I mean, certain groups and, you know, I mean, the, the whole cohort as an example, but it probably didn't dig into, you know, I mean, as, as deep as I wanted it to. Um, it would just take, you know, again, we, we took it, we took the data at two stages of the playing season, their, their high performance section where uh, they have like a super 20 competition where all the under 20 franchises play against each other. And then we gathered the data later on in the season as well. But I feel there was a bit of a missed opportunity. And again, this is what, you know, I mean, hopefully I'd love to do with Ulster Rugby is, is get this idea. So almost um, add, a, add some extra layers onto this framework as well, because exactly for exactly what you're saying, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you, this is essentially a cheat sheet. We want to understand, um, get the players answers. Cause then you can categorically theme, you know I mean? What type of players are motivated by uh, what, you know I mean? Type of strivings or what themes they slot into. So again, then you as a coach can be, it's all about just engagement and presence, isn't it? You know what I mean? As a coach as well, and as a player, it's how can we engage and how can we almost, you know I mean? Snap ourselves back as well as coaches to go, hold on, I'm standing in front of, you know I mean? I'm standing in front of Peter here. He's motivated by X, Y, Z. I've got to be conscious and I've got to be present to make sure that I'm using the right language to, to you know I mean? Contact time's a massive thing. You know what I mean? I've talked to so many coaches out there and again, the, the one coach, it doesn't matter if you're coaching, you know, I mean, the Reds right down to, you know, I mean, the under sixes or whatever. It's just, it's the importance of this contact time and having meaningful time and, and, and you know, I mean, really working on that sense of engagement. But I guess it's, you know, I mean, and it's something that I'd really like to, you know, I mean, we've talked, Peter and I have talked about this idea of development for Ulster of, you know, I mean, having these, you know, I mean, identifying the key periods of, or, or time points um, across the season checking in with these players, but again, being aware of what language changes even throughout the season as well. You know what I mean? Are, are they showing signs of potential stress or burnout or what else is happening away from the field? So the idea of monitoring this language, understanding them better as players and people um, so that then we can you know, check in and go, Hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? You know, it's, so again, it's making them when they step onto the field, they're fully engaged, fully in present. They can almost offload what's going on away from the field. We as coaches can't overload them at particular times of the season, especially for these age group players. Like, gosh, you know, some of the players that I questioned, you know, I mean, they were going through year 12 exams. And some of them had part-time jobs. Like you, you add all this onto it and, and then they're trying to chase, you know, I mean, a first 15 premiership or whatever else it's, it's a lot, you know what I mean? It is a lot. And again, sometimes they don't have, sometimes we don't take that moment, you know what I mean? As uh, you know, as Peter's alluding to, to some of the coaches in Ulster where it's, you know I mean? We don't take that time. We don't take that you know, I mean, second to understand, hey, what's going on? Know them as a player, know them as a person, what's going on in school, what's going on at home and whatever, so that we can say, again, from a, almost from a physical load or, or an emotional load, we can say, hey, back off a bit or, you know, when, when, to, turn the, when to turn them up or when to turn them down. So again, that again, that it's for them just to be engaged and be wanting to come back and, and not showing signs of burnout or not showing signs of disengagement or, um, you know, just this uh, separation from the sport, which again we see a lot of at this age grade player as well. So again, that's why you know this is why I'm fairly passionate about it, particularly this age grade player because we all see it. You know, I mean, Phil, I'm sure you see it. You know, in England as well, it's just that 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 drop off. You know, I mean, of players once they hit 18, all of a sudden it's it's you know, I mean, that participation rate. You know, I mean, it drops off like a cliff. Yeah, you know, and 
And hey, you know, I mean, if we want if we want taller peaks, we have to have wider bases. It's as simple as that. So the more fellas we can keep involved in the sport at all ages, but you know, I mean, particularly focusing on this area where there is a high drop off, you know, the more we can keep them in, then say the higher the peaks will be. So. So yeah, look, to come back to your point, Peter, look, I guess there is, I just feel there's a greater opportunity Look, this framework is there. And, you know, I mean, I'd love for, I'd love for every, you know, I mean, union, <laughs> rugby union in, in the world to use it as well, just to try and better understand their athletes. But I guess this is just a framework. It's, you know, I mean, it will give you ideas and it will give you, you know, I mean, what these fellas are motivated by, but coaching is still that it's still cyclical it's still you still have to review and talk and understand your athlete because because they'll go through things as well and and you know the athlete from now to six months later or you know and again it's just how how even we can communicate to our athletes now as i say you know you go back three four years ago we wouldn't be talking on a screen like this it would almost be unheard of but we just have to be aware of different ways to engage, different ways to, you know, I mean, communicate and 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 bring our athletes in just to, yeah. So when when we are with them, we're present and, and we can offer them, as as you said, the care and and, and understanding that they deserve and and as being part of the sport. So so yeah. For for both of you, what does that look like at that initial stage? I'm, I guess I'm thinking more of a coach that's maybe working with a like a rep rugby group is a good example because you you might know some of them, you might have a, a varying level of relationship, but you've got them together as a group. Do, are they naturally just going to fall in to start telling you their, you know, their deepest, darkest fears and their biggest motivation straight away? Is it a case of, you know, almost like a Google form and just getting a little bit of a brief oversight and, and then using that as a prompt to dig into more detail as you build that relationship? So if, if you were going to kind of, I don't like the term package, but if you were going to package this as a, as a quick win that somebody in a club environment or a rep environment could could start as a process to better understand their players, and that's a huge question, but focusing on this bit, like how how have you guys gone about doing that? What are, what are maybe some of the, the quick wins or the, or the pitfalls early doors? Um, I'll start. Uh, look, I guess the, the one thing I've always said to coaches in regards to this framework or any framework or, or trying to understand your athletes is please don't be too hard on yourself to start off with. Again, look, as a coach, you're, do, you're doing, as long as you are trying to do the best you can and cause no harm, again, Cliff Mallet's the big thing um, as a coach and he's been involved with, you know, I mean, high performance programs for years, the, the thing that he always, or one of the big key um, ideas that he takes into a new program is I'm trying to cause no harm. All right. So that's where you, you just, even as a coach, if you're asking questions, understanding, and again, it can be any type of question as well. Like uh, I, I offer coaches a, a bit of a question cheat sheet, you know what I mean? And it ranges from yeah, your favorite meals, favorite TV shows and things like that, right down to look, some of the coaches I know love, you know what I mean? What's your favorite Simpsons or, or which Simpsons character can you relate to and why? Because all of a sudden you get these weird ideas. You know, I mean, some of them relate to Maggie because they're the youngest in the family. Some of them relate to, you know, I mean, certain different characters because, you know, different ethnicities or, or, or how they're on their outer or things like that. And again, it's the follow-up questions. It's, I guess the most important thing for coaches is, you know I mean? Like we've talked about is that pause, that understanding, you know, I mean, don't, don't jump in, you know, I mean, step back a bit first and allow them, allow it to sort of develop as well. Um, but I guess, yeah, the, it's the importance of those follow-up questions. It's, it's not just uh, hanging your hat on this framework or any certain framework. It's just 
constantly understanding, constantly being aware of, you know, I mean, what, who the athlete is standing in front of you, because again, that can change from day to day as well. But yeah, I guess it's just, again, it's always just trying to use what tools you have to be present and be understanding of, you know, I mean, what the player, what the athlete's going through, as you said, they're not necessarily going to start with it or give you their deepest, darkest feelings from, from day one. Uh, some might, and I guess us as coaches, we need to be, um, compassionate and willing to hear that sometimes as well um, and, and I guess if we don't have the tools for that the holding our hand up to the player as well having that humility to go hey you know I mean this is a lot you know I mean maybe we should chat to you know xyz or other people within the club about this as well um, but also just allowing them to, to peel back their themselves as onions you know I mean offering each layer at a time as well uh, and be willing to wait you know I mean be willing to be be there for them when they do want to talk about it so so yeah, look, I'm sure Peter has other ideas, but I guess it's just not hanging your hat on any one particular framework. It's being willing to, you know, I mean, again, just just time, have that time, have that, you know, I mean, concentrate the time with your players. It's again like being a lot of a lot of these kids, you know, I mean, will have this. Their coaches will be some of the closest relationships they'll have, you know, I mean, to their to their parents as well. So they will share some stuff. They will share some ideas if they feel you're willing to hear it. Um, if you're not, then they'll also feel that as well. So I guess, again, it's just be patient. You know, I mean, offer them time and don't be too hard on yourself would be, would be my tips to start off with anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll just sort of echo those sentiments, Johnny. Um, we're fortunate enough uh, in our daily interactions, we've uh, an inbuilt screening process, but we're through the screening process that allows a conversation with the athlete more uh, or first and foremost we'll, we'll go over them and we're saying how are you today um, just really open-ended not even discussing anything around wellness and you'll generally get a lot of really useful information so when the athlete starts to see that you're caring for them on a personal level then generally you'll get better responses and over time as they feel more comfortable around you you'll start to find that the information you get from the athlete and becomes more meaningful and useful and so the screening process we use we found has been very useful for that alone uh, and then on the other point johnny made it it's it's a complex the human body is a complex system and so understanding sort of dynamic systems theory and the, the impact of the environment and the the task and the individual themselves and how the, the individual can sometimes be a reflection of the environment that they are in and so it's important to be aware that it's it's not simple and um, you're not going to ask perfect questions all the time but being comfortable with that and um, so one of the big things we're challenging ourselves around is improving our ability to listen so listen for not for the sake of wanting to speak but listen for the sake of wanting to understand is something that we've been challenging ourselves on I've played around previously in the past I know it may not be massively evidence informed but it does give a some level of understanding of the individual have played around with personality assessments just more so for fun for the individual and it can guide some conversations and um, it was ron mckeefrey that introduced me to the smally uh, questionnaire so it categorizes you as a, a lion an otter a golden retriever and can't remember the other one but it's it's sort of a fun way to open up that conversation with an athlete and that uh, they start to think about, well, what sort of person am I? Especially when you're in around that uh, teenage years when you're starting to figure yourself out. So that's some of the stuff I've played around with. So asking better questions, more intentful listening, and then understanding that it's a complex system um, are key elements for me. 
I, I, love I guess it. that. Oh, go on, Jimmy. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that how important and how powerful is the, you know, how are you today? And actually being present and listening. And again, you as a coach, you'll pick up, you know, and I'm sure your, your coaches do, Peter, as well. If you hear, which you will hear a lot from 17, 18 year old boys, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm fine. And again, it's that opportunity then to go, no, actually, how are you? What's going on? You know what I mean? Actually taking that two, three minutes to go the follow-up question, how's school, how's this, how's this? And again, remembering that, like I, I love, you know, I mean, I've talked a few times about this as well, about um, I've spoken to the likes of Shane Webke, Pedro Sinovaceva, you know, I mean, these NRL legends who have coached, you know, being coached under Wayne Bennett, you know, I mean, the great Wayne Bennett and, you know, he's coached for so many years in the NRL, but they talk exactly about this. You know I mean? His skill isn't, he isn't more tactically astute or anything like that compared to any of the other coaches that are out there, but he stops and, you know, like he'll, he'll stop him when they walk onto the training field, Shane Webb used to say, he'll walk over and he'll go, how's the wife? How's the kids? Oh, someone was sick last week. Have they got over it? You know I mean? It only takes two minutes, but he says in that two minutes, he is, you know I mean? I am the center of his universe. He makes me feel, you know I mean? That, that I, I could and should do anything for him. After that, he might go, okay, this week we're going to do X, Y, Z. And he says, and, and I know, you know what I mean? I feel because of that sense of connection, I feel like I should and could do it because he cares for me. You know what I mean? It's that, that sense of connection, that sense of care. Um, you know, I mean, that Peter's talking about it. It's not just a flipping, you know I mean, how are you today? It's, it's easy for coaches just to go, how are you? Yeah, good. All right, on a go. All right. It really, you know, I mean, it's really important for coaches. And again, there's all these frameworks. It's all these questionnaires that, you know, I mean, that Pete's talking about using and whatever as well. But again, just, just those, that, that opportunity for that second question is as important as anything else you can do. Just again, you know, I mean, how are you? you no, know, really, how are you? How's your mom? How's your dad? How's school? Especially for players this age as well, where there's, you know, they're coming to this stage of personality development. You know, I mean, school's ending. You know, I mean, this, 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 idea of where things are in school are very uh, prescribed and, and and sort of formalized for them as well all of a sudden they'll step out of it and we see this a lot and again this is you know i mean some of the stuff i talk and write about as well where all of a sudden we make them exit school and and, and they have choice and they almost have too much choice and we've got to show them that no, we can't you know i mean don't don't go too far away all right you can go go have a look and things like that but you know i mean we, we'll help you here You're, this is a safe space essentially but it's only a safe space if we take that time to know them and understand them. And again, that, that was the idea for this framework and for the personal strivings and why, you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, uh, we'll work a bit more with Ulster Rugby and get this idea going because it's just, it's to understand them as a person as well as a player and make them feel that, yeah, that this is an environment that I want to be part of. This is something I want to be, you know, I mean, engaged and part of, and I want to grow myself within this environment as opposed to, you know, I mean, looking elsewhere, whether it might be healthy or unhealthy as an example. So, so I thought, you know, Peter's example of, you know, I mean, how are you today? It's a really important question and something that should be flagged. Don't, don't be shy to ask it again, essentially. Just, you know, I mean, be there, wait for the answer and actually dig into that answer itself. So, yeah. I always like listening to how long the pause is between you ask, you know, you know, you ask that question, how are you? And it's like, hmm, yeah, no, I'm all right. And it's like, oh, that was a really, that was a long pause. Is that because you genuinely are all right? Or because you're kind of going, no, oh my God, there's so many things that aren't all right, but I'm just going to say it. And I, I, yeah, even just that, I think tells you an awful lot about some of the stuff. So Peter, I have to say, I love a little bit of those kind of self-discovery questions. I think they're, they're really quite powerful in in a bit of a quite a soft way. Like, what what animal do you associate with being? Like, there's there's so much I feel like you could unpick 
in that without without it being like a threatening question do you know what i mean if if i said oh well what are your what are your strengths or what are your personality traits people you need straight away you can be quite defensive about that type of stuff can't you but it's i just i just love how easily you could get to some of that like deep conversational stuff quite quickly with something as as easy as yeah comparing yourself to an animal um i'm really interested though in i guess in a in an environment where ultimately it is about developing people but also moving towards identifying professional players like how how do you as academies overcome the element of there being a right answer to these types of questions like is that just about creating psychological safety where people can be really honest and say i just want to get stronger and i want to be a better rugby player and if if i you know if i become a pro great but it's not my main driver and not feel judged for saying I'm not desperate to be a professional rugby player or that they feel that, you know, I have to say everything to make them believe that I'm, I'm a hundred percent intent on doing that. And just really interested how, yeah, is that the philosophy of the Academy? Are you quite explicit with, this is about just making you a better person. And if you progress through this awesome, if you don't, then hopefully it's a brilliant experience. Like, is that quite upfront or, because we know there's, there's some poor academies that will be very much, this is about making you a pro and if we don't then we're not we're not overly bothered you know what i mean there's just that kind of factory element to it it's a production line and and all the ones that get spat out at the end um that that don't become it we're not we're not worried about i guess football maybe is a is a bigger example of that in just in terms of the churn of of players and people but yeah how how do you kind of overcome that to to be in a position where they feel comfortable enough to actually give you the honest the honest appraisal yeah, um, we're definitely getting into the meat of it now. It's probably a question or an answer you'll probably have to edit. Uh, uh, so it was a good chat I actually had yesterday with Darren um, Devaney, and he was chatting about his experience at Arsenal, and, and it was a question that came up at one stage was, are we creating football players that we sell, or are we creating future Arsenal players? They didn't get an answer, um, but yeah, I suppose we have a duty of care to, to help the individual and that's that's where the personal strivings are so important. Um, well, what do they want rather than what, what are we forcing upon them? Um, because it can be detrimental. Yeah, you're a pro player, but your mental health suffering and everything else around that is, is a burden for you. So it's, do they have the capacity to sustain to that level um, of the top end of the sport? Um, there's no simple answer and it's probably something and part of the reason we, we've gone down the route of some of Johnny's great work is starting to understand what a players want at different time points can we support them and how the, the next stage of Johnny's work and kind of where, where we're really interested is how does this change over time so when you're in school and you really know yourself and you're in a comfortable environment till your year out of school where everything's new and you've maybe uh, Ulster's identified identified you as a high priority player and you're starting to like oh this could really be a career for me but then when you don't have that uh, social support and structure that you may have had in school um, how does that impact where you're going because there's just an unbelievable amount of uncertainty one injury could change what you think is your future and um, one per performance could change your future so it's trying to understand that it's a minefield um, but trying to support the individual for what they want but then also um, 
providing high challenge that they're still continuing to improve. So it's kind of both would be my answer that you're trying to create uh, better, better people, more professional rugby players at the same time. So it's kind of what Johnny chatted about earlier on about the pyramid. Um, the better or the more there is at the base, the higher or the more likelihood you're going to get uh, better individuals and players to the top. Um, I'll stop there before I... No, no, yeah, you, you've been you've been very PC. Look, I, I don't mind even saying, um, and I'm not speaking out of school here. Look, I, I presented my research quite early on to to some of the data that I find to to some of the um, academy coaches within the Super Rugby franchises, and yeah, look, it wasn't well received. You know, what I mean, it wasn't well because, and, and I, I don't mind saying this, and that's why I constantly said this is hard work. All right, spending this time, you know, I mean, what Peter's talking about and the road that Ulster's talking about is, don't get me wrong, is commendable, but I, it's hard work. You know, I mean, it's a lot more time, it's a lot more effort to go into it. Again, there's, you know, I mean, there's so much data out there and there's so much, so many ways that you can measure players and, you know, I mean, both in, in a physiological and, you know, even just a statistical way, you know what I mean, that, as you said, they are resources they are commodities essentially so look the, the, this is this is the harder way to do it you know what i mean but again i and i think you know what peter talked about there about you know i mean are we are we developing football player footballers to be sold or are we developing arsenal players that's it you know right? realistically if you can develop an environment i guess for me it's always more about the environment it's having the can you develop an environment where people want to stay and or people want to get into you know what I mean? At the end of the day, then, and that's when we're starting to talk about widening our base, you know what I mean? Heightening our peaks as well. And, and you know, you can bring in quality players as well, you know what I mean? And, and it might be at an age grade level or at a senior level, you know what I mean? You look at Ulster, you know, they brought in Dean Vermeulen and I'm sure he's got a lot of things all of a sudden he can offer. Again, it's not necessarily just solely from a playing point of view, but what can he bring to the environment? What can, you know I mean? The coaches or the environment sponge and gather off you know i mean a world cup winner he's played across the world and things like that again it's for me it always comes back to the environment how can we strengthen that and how can we strengthen our culture and how can you know, i mean what 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 does an ulster rugby player look like you know i mean if they step out of the environment are they representing us in a you know a fair and true representation because that that's really what it's about and again it's it's hard for what you're talking about phil it is hard like i i don't envy um you know i mean you know, programs like you know i mean like the ulster program because it is hard it is results based you know what i mean there is a lot of people um uh, with expectations uh, both you know i mean involved in the sport and you know, i mean uh, not necessarily involved in it we're talking parents supporters other things they've all got their expectations on the, what the program should be the success of the program as well but Within it, you know, I mean, as Peter's talking about, it, it's 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 really again, it comes for me, it comes back to this engagement. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. You know, are you going to have a team, a squad, an academy, or are you going to have players who just show up and be involved in it as well? All right, they have to know that they're part of something that is a true reflection of them, or something, you know, something that they can really and truly and wholly buy into. Um, as opposed to just, yeah, you know, I mean, are, are they being measured? You know what I mean? Again, they can be the best, but, you know, is it just solely about, as you said, the, the, the tactical, technical, you know, nice of them or the, the physiological, you know I mean, aspects of them? Now, they, they, again, they have to offer something to the program and the program has to offer something to them. But again, it's hard. 
you know, I mean, as I say, as academy coaches and, and leaders of these programs, I, I understand and appreciate. And again, that's why, you know, I mean, I, I, as an Ulsterman, you know, I mean, even being on the street, it's really, it's exciting to see that Ulster want to be involved in these programs and the level of development is putting sports sites on and whatever. Again, because, yeah, it's, you're, you're not involved in the sport necessarily for a long time, but it should be meaningful. It should be impactful. It should be, again, it's, it's a game. It's a sport. You know what I mean? We want people to enjoy it when they're involved in it and continue to support it and, and, and be part of it when they exit as well. So, so yeah, look, it, it is hard and does take time, but yeah, again, it's, it's, it, yeah, there is no, there's no quick fix as, as what you're asking for, for these academy coaches. There's, as I say, they're, they're measured on the performance and the results as well. So yeah, what we're suggesting isn't, isn't a quick, easy fix by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it is impactful. It is meaningful. And, and we, we think it will, and you know, I mean, should continue to have legs. So, yeah. It's fascinating to get into, I guess, the role of academies. And I often wonder whether that needs to be just redefined slightly. Because if if it was down to me, I would definitely look at some sort of model where actually within the community, the academy becomes really, really important. Because if we think about ultimately, as we said, the, the end goal is produce more professional players. But actually, that's not, I don't think that just comes from the academy, right? Because the academy's impact can be almost that waterfall or that cascade into if, if we have more kids in the academy initially, you'd hope that those kids get better. You'd hope that there's a knock-on effect of when they go back to their clubs or their schools, the, the, the programs they're in get better. So that indirectly makes the other kids within those teams that haven't been part of it better. If that then challenges the coaches to be better, to, to coach all of those players in a more effective way. So actually now we've got this, you know, this cascade or this snowball effect where just because some have been you know some kids have improved with a lot of help actually will the whole game has now Im improved and will the academy benefit later on from those late developers having been engaged with those early developers that were part of the academy and all that type of stuff and I kind of just feel like there's something there that maybe we lose sight of when we look at pathways and I think half the issue with the pathway is we love a very nice neat one page a4 diagram that sells a pathway and everybody knows apart from the people that look at them that it's not it's not like that in real life but i don't i don't know if we actually sell the benefits of improving people right the way through it like have, is that something you guys would track at all peter that you know where where their exit points are like the impact kids outside of that or the the impact academy kids have on other people that then come back in later is that something you guys would talk about is i guess coach education from an academy perspective becomes a big part of that of in, ingraining yourselves in the community to upskill everybody which is a it's probably unfair to put that on the academy i think lots of people would say that's the job of the governing body but i'm kind of like they're not ingrained in the schools and the clubs and everything else on a daily basis in the way an academy is and maybe we just need to give academies a load more money to to do this better i don't know but i'm, I'm just wondering if if i'm missing the mark there or actually if that's something you guys would say you you do strive for or or you you've seen an impact in yeah um i totally agree it is something we are acutely aware of and um, we don't specifically track it to my knowledge but um we're very keen on our education so education to athletes and education to coaches so we expand our remit um it's something that 
we kind of discussed the other day around uh, we we had a bit of an in-service with Darren again. It's getting a lot of airtime today um, around creating a, an environment that provides an opportunity to deal with pressure. And his thought process was I'm better to go to the coaches because we have six coaches here who are going to impact maybe 10 players each rather than if he went and implemented it. He, it's, it's not going to have the same impact. So it's kind of um, one thing that I always think about in regards to the academy and the, moving out into the, the regional, the wider province of Ulster is like the rising tide uh, lifts all ships. So if, if we have an athlete and he goes back to his club and he's maybe to us, it, we would have viewed as maybe a failure um, for want of a better word and that always oh, not going to continue within the program. But is he going to go back into his club and have an impact in terms of, oh, I've done this athletic development for X amount of months. This is what we should be doing in terms of how a warm-up should look like um, or using elements from rugby in terms of this is how we've been taught to X, Y, and Z within the game and having conversations with the coach was something we are acutely aware of, something we're trying to develop within our schools. Um, so we're, we are building the framework. It's not a one-page framework. It's a fairly detailed framework. Um, around how we can provide support and challenge to the schools. Um, so yeah, we have the athletes coming to us, but what impact does that have back in their school environment? Um, and then it's, it's actually having conversations with school coaches and school athletic development coaches in that uh, obviously the more players we impact in their school environment, the better it's gonna be for us and for them. So it's two way street rather than it's all take from also it's a give and take relationship and that we're helping them and they're helping us and and obviously yeah we we want to provide or obtain top end players that are going to go on and sustain that career in the game but likewise they their day-to-day is achieving success in the schools cup so we appreciate that and we try to support them with that as well but it's something that we're trying to develop further so it's about filtering that information back into the schools i know um matthew godfrey's doing a I think some of the rugby coaches as well this weekend are doing a piece with the club coaches around um, session design and different aspects within the game. So there is those elements currently ongoing in terms of around education and drip feeding information and across the province at club, school um, levels. So it is something we're uh, aware of, but I don't think we specifically track where players drop out and what happens then after that. And that's part of the other reason um, we're very curious with Johnny's work in terms of what, why did these dropouts happen and how can we potentially mitigate them in the future and maybe maybe not mitigate them but how can we support that athlete is there something we could have provided in our environment that they wanted to sustain for longer and really enjoyed being there or what was not what was not provided on our behalf um, so yeah just I guess picking up on that bit is did you get a chance to do a follow-up once the guys had been contracted or not with with any of the guys that I kind of you know deselected or, or dropped out of the system like where where or how did that change the motivation at all or did you not not get that get that sadly not no sadly not as I say it was just it was limited you know we were trying to get this snapshot in the game there was certain that was again part of the yeah the restrictions yeah rugby Australia offered a certain you know, 
you know, I mean, volume of time and access to these players and whatever. And again, it was, we had a much better reach and whatever because of the digital format. Um, but again, yeah, it, you know, due down to it being a, um, a university research and the ethics and things like that around it, we probably didn't dig as far and as deep as we wanted to. And again, this is the excitement around, you know, I mean, possibly doing it with also rugby because all of a sudden we'll have these extra layers and whatever to it. But but again, I guess to come back what Pete, you know, I mean, saying in regards to dropout or burnout, um, the one thing that we always talk to about coaches is, um, is particularly around burnout. There's a lot of research and whatever out there for burnout is, you know, burnout has breadcrumbs. All right. They will leave little signs and there's little drops, you know, I mean, just going on like, yes, there's obviously the physical element of burnout as well, but there's this idea around, you know, again, a lot of it's this emotional exhaustion or depersonalization to the sport. You know, again, it's not essentially they, they just don't have the, they, they fall out of love for the sport. So again, this idea for, for burnout in particular dropout is probably slightly different. And again, that's where it's the hard one to, and, and again, I very much in, in, in line with yourself. I'd love to know an overarching theme or a better understanding for why particular these late adolescents, early athletes or early adult athletes drop out of the sport. Because again, it, you know, I mean, is it something that we're not giving them or is it something that they used to have and they're no longer getting as an example? Again, it's, it's, well, it's not the million dollar question. I'm sure it's a multi-million dollar question for in a participation sense, but um, yeah, uh, sadly we didn't get that data, but yeah, hopefully excited that it will be something that, you know, I mean, we'll focus on in regards to the Ulster rugby to, yeah, as I say, keep those wider bases and keep those peaks to climbing essentially. So. Hmm. Oh, fair play. Um, interested to jump back to you guys both talked about the kind of the, the, the do no harm element, which is, is, a really sound basis for anything, I think, but I'm, I'm fascinated around selection, deselection, and, and actually is deselection harm. Because I know in, in the UK, um, professional football academies now, I think are going to be mandated to basically provide follow-up services to players that are released, which which is probably long overdue. And I think it's, it's as we just talked about, like what is the academy's remit? How, how far and wide should they should they be stretched but what maybe and it's, it's maybe not a motivation question but actually just how how have you seen that managed best because I, I do feel like that's just the crux of the issue when it comes to programs that that ultimately fit within some sort of pyramid where numbers are reduced over time right like but how, how can we maybe make that less of a less of a shock less of an impact less of a, a detrimental piece um to to that player and and how do we maybe engage them in in other ways and tee them up and and is that just around the experience to date and the philosophy of you this is just an experience like you're not we're not we're not ramming it down your throat that it's a pathway and it's a pathway and it's a pathway and suddenly you're not on the pathway is it just this is a great opportunity in the present moment and take as much of it as you can and then at some point this this opportunity as everything does and maybe that's the bit we get lose sight of like everything ends at some point right so why why is academy rugby any different it's just a little bit more formal because other people are making that decision for you i guess so i'd, I'd be really interested to unpick or kind of unpick that a bit more and get your guys thoughts do you want to go first peter i'll jump in first and um... Yeah, it's a great question, and it's probably not one uh, that I have specific answers on at the moment, but um, we know from some research around the impact of trauma um, and challenges in life can sometimes um, 
make or break individuals. I know that maybe not thinking of the continuing in the sport or leaving as being that traumatic event, but previous traumatic events, we know is correlated with athletes maybe potentially reaching higher levels within their sport. Um, language around worst case scenario is something that's used in our environment, but from a rugby context, but you could almost think of it as a double-edged or double meaning in that if you're not preparing for worst case scenarios, you're leaving yourself at, at risk. So something that Ulster uh, does pretty well is supporting the players around what's happening around rugby. First of all, to enable them to thrive in the rugby environment, but uh, with the opportunity for life after rugby. So we're affiliated um, with universities so they're having an education component. So at any time point, they have that opportunity to continue within education. Um, so there is that level of support. I know with the senior players as well, that there's support from the ARFU around um, what happens after rugby, essentially. Um, and I know a lot of the guys in the senior team will be doing part-time courses and, and having that mindset, like I alluded to earlier, things can change very quickly overnight. And um, so it's important that there is that level of support, that it's not this big void that you're playing rugby and everything's great. And then after that, there's literally nothing. I know in the AFL, it's something that they're doing pretty well is around providing support to athletes after they, they leave the game. And it's probably something that's going to have ripple effects if it's happening over in England around soccer. It's definitely probably something that's going to come in here more routinely. Um, but again, it, it all comes back to knowing the individuals that the, these conversations we're having with athletes that they were, were really comfortable to ask uncomfortable questions with like, well, what do you plan if you don't make it? Or well, what are your plans if you don't make it here? Um, and sometimes it can kind of give you a good insight as to the individual's mentality or the if they turn around and say, no, I'm definitely going to make it. Well, then maybe they're in a, a state of denial um, and they don't appreciate how uh, bumpy the, the road can be to the top. So um i think it's something that we're unofficially good at there might be formal structures in place whenever they exit from the senior um, and, and contracted academy players but um players that are in the sub academy um i think it's more informal around just conversations as to direction that they should potentially or maybe go into and the networks that are already existing between uh universities is is something that helps provide ease of mind for individuals that they have backups and um, there's not too many of our players aren't in currently in, in some level of full-time education so I, I think it's more a, a reflection of society now as a whole and that people that are doing maybe trades or whatever it's, it's a lot more challenged to be able to do both and apply yourself so especially in the sub-academy whenever you haven't actually got a contract um, maybe doing a full day's work and then coming in to do a session in the academy it's, it's, it's not maybe feasible anyway because of the demand so um, I think the education end of things is very important in terms of um, university and then us knowing that the athletes and what are their actual motivations around rugby well do they really want to continue in the game and, and have we provided exit strategies for them I love the um, you, you know you pretty much nailed the answer there in my opinion as well Peter but like um I, I've always talked in regards to selection, deselection, you know, I mean, who, who's going to get picked for what squad and whatever. I've always, you know, I mean, picked on coaches when they say they're going to have, a, you know, I mean, a difficult conversation. 
I guess for me, that's the red flag. You know what I mean? Why is it a difficult conversation? You know what I mean? We're talking about selection, deselection. You're talking about it's a difficult conversation because you haven't got to, like you haven't offered the feedback. You haven't had this previous communication with the athlete. Um, At the end of the day, it's, as you said, in the environment, they will know where, you know, they'll know what they've done. if If they've engaged enough, put enough effort in, you know, I mean, it showed enough temperament, whatever it might be, to be part of the squad or not. Again, and if you're regularly talking to the athlete, regularly have these conversations, bit of feedback. And again, once you get to know the athletes, like, you know, I mean, Peter talked about there before, once you know them on a, on a, on a personal level as well, then you can have those difficult conversations again, as we call it in inverted commas, but you can regularly have, well, you need to tighten up on this. We need to do X, you know, I mean, X, Y, Z, you can have them. And again, they know what's coming from a good place. Um, so again, and, and again, people can exit. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, the, the pathway structure is very similar in uh, Ireland and England as it is in Australia. You know I mean? There's a, you know, a lot of talk within Australia. You know I mean? There's a lot of different pathways you can exit, you can enter back in and whatever. Um, but it's how they exit as well we'll see whether even they want to come back in. So again, these conversations and, and those ideas around selection, deselection and how they enter and exit the program in particular um, is we'll see if they want to be involved in the sport, which is really, really important for us as you know, being involved in these programs to really consider as well. So, yeah. I often wonder whether self-awareness is the golden bullet there. And we, we often say there isn't one. But I do genuinely feel like we we maybe miss a trick in in formative years working with young people to not try and spend more time developing self-awareness because th- thinking back, the, the the easy conversations are the ones with the players that are self-aware because because they just understand it better. And they're more aware of their place within the program and the realities and the nature of that that existence, I guess. Whereas the the players that I would my assessment of them would be they lacked self-awareness they were always the most difficult ones because they just however much you try and explain it however much you try to pre-plan it and prep it and so they know it's coming and it's not a shock there's just this no this this isn't right like this can't be happening to me and I I, I still I don't know and, and yeah maybe that's just a failing of of me and things the programs I've been in we didn't get right but I, I do feel like that as a for everybody with the school club you know academy parents whatever I just feel like that's probably if we can develop self-awareness in people maybe this this a lot of these issues just become far easier to manage I don't think it alleviates them but I do wonder if they would become just yeah, yeah. more manageable it's a difficult it's a difficult part of it really as you said selection deselection all that information around it because it is emotional you know what I mean people that have put a lot of time and effort into it as well and again us as coaches that that idea that you're talking about the self-awareness and whatever again as coaches you're never going to get it 100 right you know what I mean as 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 I always try and tell coaches again because you know they spend so much time and trying to get the blend of the team or squads and whatever right and whatever it's just an opinion at the end of the day and that's two ways selection and deselection is just that it's just an opinion it's the opinion of coaches it's opinion of whomever it might be who's who's organizing these teams and they may or may not get it right um and i guess that's okay and again us us as coaches being i guess that idea of self-awareness or particularly self-reflection as well of what did work what didn't work you know i mean in regards to right down to the conversation selections and whatever 
again, yeah, the, the coaching is, you know, I mean, it, it is really a cyclical and it's, it's us, you know, I mean, being self-reflective as coaches and being aware of, all right, you know, I mean, how, how, what did I do that, you know, I mean, possibly did or didn't work, you know, I mean, how can I better engage or how can I better communicate next time, whatever. And again, constantly progressing. And then, and again, if we can show that we're constantly trying to improve and progress as well, then that will inherently be picked up, like you talked about, by our athletes as well. So yeah, again, they'll they'll attune and they'll adjust to the environments that we offer as well. So yeah, I think the the big for, thing for me around uh, self awareness is identity. So athletes get in, and kind of goes back to your previous question that athletes uh, or sorry people associate themselves. Or, or define themselves as an athlete and being able to separate those two that you're a person first and you do sport second. Um, even as a professional athlete, I think that's very important. So having that ability to switch off. So that's self-awareness of when you're an athlete and okay, I'm now at home. So I'm, I'm myself and not being defined by things that have happened in the athletic environment. And um, so I think the big the big thing for me is the person athlete separation and the individual having that self-awareness. Um, the one thing that Ulster is doing to give players awareness to maybe to stop denial or disillusion with athletes is showcasing a depth chart. So who is the first team, first choice prop, and then we're down to number five or six. So there's no disillusion or denial. This is where you are. And this is where you want to get to. Um, and, and it leads to conversations. So the individual asking, well, what do I need to do to jump up? Um, so I think it's a, it's a good idea because you, it's really clear and it's anyone that comes into the academy and into our gym environment will see these uh, depth charts and they'll, they'll understand, well, right, well, he's here and I'm a year younger than him. So how do I replace him here? How do I, so it stimulates that environment of, of competitiveness, um, which I think in my mind, I think it's a good idea that maybe conflicts with what I said earlier on and that I was being very PC, but uh, ultimately it's about uh, having better players at the top if we want to be successful. Do you think there's an opportunity there? And I guess kind of circles all the way back around to understanding the motivation. So you, you might you might not share them publicly, but you might share them with some players because that that's the motivation they have to progress beyond somebody else. Whereas for, for another player that might not even be in their psyche to go, well, where do I sit? Like, I genuinely don't care. I just want to be the best I can. What will happen will happen. So is, is that where the nuance of this type of understanding probably becomes really important to, to then go, we can, we can help you as the individual rather than generically do something which we think is going to help most people, but we're not sure. Yeah, that's right. I was going to play devil's advocate a bit there as well, because the idea for... And again, this is where I love to challenge Peter on this. And again, the idea for personal strivings in the framework we did be, is that we're not focused on the outcomes. Again, we're focused on what they're typically trying to achieve. So again, on those talent charts, to call them that, you know, I mean, players in certain positions, as you said, they're trying to leapfrog and work the way up there. But again, it's a fixed goal. You know what I mean? It's, it's all right, what do I need to do to get to here? But that's not what it's about, really, is it? At the end of the day, progression is just that. If you're creating an environment that that talent chart should be almost be malleable and just, you know, I mean, it's it's forever moving, forever progressing. Because again, like 
like we talk about, you know, we seen the video clip there the other day of, you know, Antoine Dupont, you know, I mean, where he's carrying about five or six players on his back, breaks free, and then, you know, zips out a, a 40 meter pass or something like that. Again, that's just not what halfbacks used to do. But again, that's why the game's always progressing. You know, I mean, if we, if we almost have this fixed, not necessarily a fixed mindset, and again, I'm not trying to be too derogatory to this, this brain chart that they were talking about as well, but, you know, I mean, player again, we're, we're constantly, play, you know, challenging players to be better versions of themselves as opposed to you know I mean, they're, they're not in a you know I mean, it's not a race you never get you never become like i always i was just listening to it again the other day by johnny wilkinson when he did that high performance podcast which is absolutely everywhere as well again you know I mean, this was a bloke who set these markers set these goals you know i mean attained certain things and they were so fleeting that you know he almost put this you know i mean endless stress upon himself and whatever whereas now he's yeah, in the state of Zen, essentially post career and whatever, and 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 again, where, what, you know, I mean, what type of player, what could he have been if it was just, you know, I mean, embracing the journey. Let's see where the game takes me, essentially, and just trying to be as good as he possibly can be. But again, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm with Peter. There is a lot of coaches, like I talk about as well, who we need these measures and checks in place because it is a performance environment. We need to know that we're constantly progressing. We need to know that. You know, I mean, sadly, these players are involved in this program and there needs to be, to call it a very cool term, but a return on capital investment. You know what I mean? So they need to, we're putting players in, we need a certain number of players to become professional players and or, you know I mean, attain a certain, you know I mean, uh, level uh, for the academy to be a success. But uh, again, is that, you know, I mean, how short-term or long-term are those goals as an example? So, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there to be devil's advocate and see, see what Peter thinks. So I think you've covered me from both ends there, Johnny. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, there's pros and cons for both, obviously, as you, you alluded to that it's, yeah, it's, it's a fixed mindset, but it's essentially catering for those individuals that are motivated in that sense. And then everything else, it's up to us to create the motivation or assist the personal strivings for the other individuals. So if, it, if we have the players in there with the mindset that that's what they want to do is represent Ulster and Ireland, well, then that, that depth chart is designed for them. Whereas if it's someone else that's, they just want to be a better person and enjoy the time that they're with Ulster rugby, um, that's up to us to cater for also. And um, so it's, it's just one part of the, the jigsaw, I suppose, but it's not something that we completely um set our stall on that oh, this is the only priority obviously we're we're looking and we have a broader outreach than just that particular depth chart but i think it's still something for us um as well as as staff to be cognizant of is that 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 is the end goal for us is that's what we're ultimately paid to do is um produce players for ulster and for ireland so um it's keeping us on our toes as well but yeah we know there's far far more to it there's a lot more stuff within the environment mm. that, as an aside to the depth chart um but uh, i really love how you, how you answered it you answered it a lot more <laughs> and that's and i guess that's quality coaching isn't it as you said it's recognizing you know here's the depth charts here's what they're motivated by but it's what language you use it's what environment you set it's what tools that you offer that's coaching or that's good coaching anyway, as you said, just to leave it out there. You know, I mean, as you said, you could leave those depth charts out there and they could just, you know, it could be a battle amongst themselves, you know what I mean? To try and keep pushing each other and whatever to get there. But again, the quality of coaching is to understand the athlete, understand what language or what tools or um, what even, you know, time they need. 
um, yeah, that's how you're going to get, you know, I mean, that, that real development and that buy into the program, I guess. So, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you, you've come back fairly strong in that one. So that's good. It's probably an indication to you of, yeah, officers really pushing um, to improve things, but they're still culturally indoctrinated stuff from rugby historically. Um, but they are trying to push to be sort of world-class and cater for all all facets of people that are in, in the in the program. Um, do, you, do you guys look at anything around like positive psychology or self-determination theory within this type of stuff? I, I, I kind of feel like it... It, I, I'm a massive fan of SDT and I, I just, I've not really found anywhere where I don't think it would work yet, but it, I'm also conscious that it's not, it's not something lots of people jump to straight away. I think there's probably parts of it and, and whether that's a lack of understanding of the the theory or what, but I, I kind of feel like certainly within this conversation, it would lend itself to this perfectly in, in around the, you know, the competence and relatedness and autonomy and those elements of it to drive this and then if there's external motivators, because you can see yourself progressing up the depth chart and those types of things, it, it kind of ticks some boxes. But I'm also conscious it, it the opposite can become true, that it, it would just being externally motivated around contracts or, you know, selections or shirts or whatever it is you're kind of getting to. So, yeah, I guess two two part question. Is it something you guys explicitly look at or, or kind of talk about? Um, and if it is, how, how do you then kind of, rationalize the two where it's about the individual but it's also ultimately judged on the outcome um yeah particularly obviously self-determination theory like um one of my advisors cliff mal has done a lot of work in sport in regards to self-determination theory you know i mean and he's done you know work with relay teams olympic you know athletes and whatever just as you said you know what i mean again making them aware or making the coaches aware of those intrinsic goals because again uh, like you know like peter talked about before again if it's all and you mentioned before as well if it's all intrinsically measured or extrinsically driven sorry um then it has that you know i mean it's very fleeting and and, and the buy-in will be very minimal whereas if it's an intrinsic goal is you know I mean, as you're talking about it as well if they can feel that they have a sense of autonomy if they feel you know i mean a sense of connection to their coaches or uh, an understanding um of their goals as well or or yeah it, it's a true representation of themselves and of course there's obviously going to be this greater level of buy-in and whatever um i guess i you know i mean i i particularly look and, and this is yeah in, in regards to a personality framework that's this is what this is trying to get to so what what they're actually trying to do is identify your personal strivings categorize them so if they're approach or avoidance so again if they're approach then it's something they're trying to attain whereas if it's avoidance goal if they're trying to avoid or not do something again that's our opportunity as a coach to intercept and go well you're trying to avoid this how about we lean into something else you know i mean let's try and attain something or do something as opposed to avoid something because again it falls back into that sdt framework that you're talking about as well so yeah look again there's so much uh, again i'm a big fan of growth mindset and a big uh it's immensely frustrating for me because you hear a lot of talk of growth mindset particularly in the education industry at the moment and they just don't get it um they know the term but they don't know the the, the actions and whatever as well but um yeah, for me, obviously, self-determination theory and, and similar, you know, those positive psychology frameworks that are out there, again, just 
there it's it all really leans back into just understanding yourself and and being like you talked about being that that self-awareness is a really critical important part because there is so many distractions out there again we are living in 2022 where you know i mean social media and, and all there's 101 other ways that you know i mean you can be distracted or can be pulled away from you know i mean your intrinsic motivation so i guess it's just there's awareness of and being aware of you know i mean what is inherently important to you so so yeah but the, those as you said those positive psychology frameworks are probably underutilized in my opinion in in sport um but again it is it is a lot of heavy lifting for for certainly grassroots coaches i can i can understand as well so i think uh, johnny's piece on it takes a village to raise, or raise a wallaby um, is a really nice piece in terms of uh, someone seeing in practical terms how uh, self-determination theory works in a larger scale. It was something that, that really, yes, obviously had awareness of it, but revisited it on the back of that piece. Um, I think just from observational studies rather than anything we've collected and it's something we'll probably want to go down the route of is is a lot of the elements around self-determination theory and potential dropout and i know this is maybe a sweeping statement but generally it's it's issues around either competency relatedness autonomy connection or goals or not being assisted with setting goals um, and that's hopefully something we'll, we'll aim to find, find out. But I think that's essentially what we want to do is drive to an environment where we're helping those individuals um, around all those aspects that we sort of alluded to. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a great point and topic area to bring up and to, to delve into. It's something that as part of my, my master's, I've done a, a, a case study, NF1, um, study on an athlete and, and I sort of delve deep into this self-determination theory with the, with the individual athlete and it was part of the process of us um, leading towards Johnny's work and wanting to include this and in, in how we go about business so um, it's hugely important but it's something that we probably need to, yeah we're aware of it but we need to have it ingrained in our day-to-day -day working um, that, it's, that it's the normal language that we use maybe not with, well, yeah, also with the athlete, but as with coaching staff as well, we probably do it. And a lot of the time you see that if someone exits the program, they'll, be, they'll have a connection with an individual coach and you say, oh yeah, he was brilliant. So that's sort of relating to coming back to that support from the coach that, that they had a, uh, they were related in some form and they had a connection, maybe assisted with their goals. So yeah, it's, it's massively important. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fact you're thinking about how you ingrain that, I, that's that's really exciting to me because, as I said, I, I, I just think there's huge value in them and they, they don't seem to get the um, delivery they deserve, maybe. I just, I just and, and maybe it's one of those things, we, lots of people do it, it's just not particularly explicit. I'm not sure. I, I'd be fascinated to kind of understand that further. Um, I'm conscious of both your times, but I, I have got kind of one question, which is a little bit out of sync with, with the, where we've just got to, I guess, but around kind of, I guess, professionalization of sport and of rugby at a, a junior level. Because I have, I, I float this every now and again and just see what people think, but I have a feeling that retention can be affected due to the professional nature. So if you are an under 18, you know, sixth form player at a school, 
you're probably in a really strong program, like you've got great kit, really good coaching, conditioning support, all of this type of stuff. Same in an academy. There's just wonderful experiences. It's, it's, it's hugely professional. You feel important. And then you probably finish all of that and you might go to uni and, and rock into like the freshers team or the third team, which is the kits in the bag on the floor and you've got to sort your own shirts and there's no coach or you go into a club environment where you're in the second team or it's a crap pitch and, you know, there's no groundsman and the floodlights don't work and just the realities of, of like non-professionalized environments. And I'd be just fascinated what your guys' thoughts might be on, on the potential impact of that and do, do academies and schools and professional programs is it maybe something we need to, you know, go back to the rocky road and the bumps in the road? Is deprofessionalizing some of those experiences would that maybe tee up players to be retained slightly better that their shirt isn't laid out in, in before every game and that the coach isn't doing everything for them and all these types of things? And as I say, I've got no proof that that, that has any impact on retention. I feel like it's common sense that says this is not as good as experience as it was six months ago when I was in my school first team. So I'm not that bothered anymore, but I, I'm just, just interested in, in what your thoughts might be on that. I'll jump in first on that. I think uh, one really good thing that in relation to that question is that, that Ulster has going for the academy players that uh, don't make the senior squad for the weekend is that they return to their club. So obviously irrespective of how good the club environment is, it's not going to be the same as a professional environment. So there's that every weekend. They have those challenges of being in that environment, preparing themselves adequately for the game. Um, and, and I think if someone can't go from that high-level environment to a, a lesser, for want of a better word, environment, um, that, that higher-level environment isn't good enough because it hasn't adequately prepared them with the skill set to... Be able to tolerate um, whatever that environment may throw at them. Um, so I think that the reflection of how good a good environment is will be reflected on how well they deal with the poor environment. Um, and if they maybe don't showcase their skill sets that they show in the good environment, well, then the, the good environment's failing them. And I think something that rugby is really good with is a lot of players love the game. Um, so, irrespective of of where they play um, it's more so about the game at the end of the day and all that the fluff that goes on around it is not irrelevant but um, they should be able to home in on the main thing which is the main thing of the game um, so I, I think it's all down to back to what we keep chatting about is environment we have to provide adequate challenge and support and then flip it that we provide little of those on certain times to see if they can uh, or we can inoculate them for those days when they have a crappy environment. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Like we we see it. Um, I see it, you know, quite commonly around Brisbane rugby. Like there's, they have a very big first fifteen program last year of school, where you know, I mean, they they can have anywhere between five to ten thousand you know, spectators at a game, you know, I mean, for, for some of these games, again, the, the structure is that it's the best schools in Brisbane. There's only nine schools, so they'll play eight games. You know, I mean, they'll get big crowds for these games with high expectations. And then, as you said, it's it's hard then, as, as Peter called it, you know, the fluff that's around it essentially is almost distracts or detracts from the game. Um, so it's hard to, and, and for a lot of these fellas, you know, I mean, they've been working five, six years to get into the first 15 to be part of this program. 
and then it happens and again to use you know i mean johnny wilkinson's term of it's fleeting at the end of the day you win this first 15 championship and it's a big deal for a couple of days and then it's gone so it really does then come back to and there's some clubs across brisbane which are doing really really good work um west in particular do some work with the coaches at west where again they've been you know i mean we i've been encouraging them to create an environment where that you know i mean kids do want to come play rugby but also want to be part of a community you know i mean they do things like organize them white cards help them find work and things like that so they have this sense of community and sense of um uh understanding between not just you know i mean their their cohort or their group of players but the, the club as a whole um so again it comes back to that sense of relatedness phil that you talked about from the the, the stt theory so um yeah so that's that's you know kind of what it looks but again it's it's hard as, as pete says at the end of the day sometimes the noise you just can't control you know i mean sometimes the noise from the external is so loud that yeah again we live in the social media world that yeah as i say it can't be ignored and can't be controlled by the environment but again it's just having your strong morals your strong um key you know i mean key factors within your environment so that the players know what is important to them as a group and and you guys as as leaders of that group if that makes sense but yeah it's it, it's hard you know i mean and again this is hopefully where we'll get to and we'll investigate obviously a bit more in regards to you know i mean dropout burnout whatever it might be for these late adolescent players but yeah there's again there's no quick fix answer really is there so hmm. oh I, I, two perfect answers i think that's a really nice place to kind of finish things off i as i say it's just it's one of those things that i often think about and i think you know peter your point around the it probably demonstrates the quality of the professional environment as to how well they're preparing players to to not be in that is 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 a massive one. So and, it, and Johnny, great to hear that that's being applied at you know club level as as much as it is anywhere else. So um, no, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. I've, I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this. And um, if if you two guys are keen and you know put you on the spot, but maybe we'll get you on uh, in a in a few months or whenever just to revisit this and and see you know how it's progressed and the impact it's had because I think that would be fascinating to to keep keep digging into it and. See see where it's going yeah i think it'll be good like and peter's been you know i mean and also rugby in particular have obviously been very supportive and and again like i said earlier on it's it's, it's great to have you know what i mean you know, some of these unions being involved be aware that they need to you know i mean properly engage with their athletes and, and keep them involved in the programs it's again it's not just the height of the peaks it's the the width of the base as well so so it's really good to hear some of these unions and, and some of these professional programs being involved in this so so yeah for, for sure Fantastic. Come Peter. Yeah, no, just the uh, same again. It sounds sounds good to catch up again and, and see where we're going. It's obviously very new for us as well. So it's going to be a great learning experience. Oh, I love that. Um, where where can people find you? How how can they reach out, get in touch if they were so inclined or or see? I mean, I'll, I'll grab the links from you guys for what you've spoken about today and put it in the blurb, but where where can they kind of hit you up if they want to? Um, yeah, well, uh, Peter talked about it. So I've got the, the blog page, uh, coachingthecoaches.net, um, fairly active on Twitter as well, um, at coachingcoach underscore. So, yeah, if anyone wants to get in contact or message through that way, you know, I mean, please do. So, love to share ideas and whatever. So, so yeah. Um, not on social. Well, I'm, I'm on socials, but don't really use it. Uh, spending all my time making athletes better. So, I don't have time to be. <laughs> 
you can catch me on Instagram. I think it's phughes89 or you can catch me on my, my email, which is similar, phughes89 at hotmail.co.uk. That's showing my age that I'm still on a co.uk. Love it. Great, guys. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to round up the roundup. So to those listening, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks again to the guys for coming on and contributing to a, a really fascinating discussion. Links to all the content discussed are available in the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening. Wish you all the best and go well. <laughs>